Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Amen. Tonight is Ethos Night. As Hannah said, these are the nights throughout the year where we pause, we look around. Everybody look around. Look around. And we say the question, who are we? Look around. Look at your neighbor right now. Look at them into their eyeballs and say, who are we? Who are we? If you're sitting next to a boy or a girl, that we, where they were not trying to say we, you're like, oh, so we're a we. No, 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 no. Slow your roll, right? We're talking about we as the community, right? I saw Mr. Googly Eyes back there. He's like, who are we? Who are we? All right. Uh, So we at Citizens, uh, we are a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. And so here we believe that that means six different things, okay? Six different things that we value. And if you hang out here for any amount of time, you'll figure those out. But tonight we're going to talk about one. Tonight we're going to talk about the road, okay? So we're going to get there. But first I want to begin by sharing a little bit of my story. I'm not even going to share a story, more of just like a little highlight. How many of you knew that when I was in high school, I was in band? Anybody know that? Okay, all my fellow band knows, like, right on! I was in band, and I played the trumpet, but when I got into high school, I learned that there was this thing called a drum major. Anybody know what a drum major is? So you get to stand up in front of all the other musicians, and you wave your arms and tell them to make music. So I actually went back into the archives. You guys want to see some of my high school yearbook? All right. Hey, no judgment, though. This is a safe place, right? Are you guys going to make fun of me? I saw that, Clay. All right, here we go. So this was me. I know. Had the tight curls. Yep. Look at that. Uh, so, so yeah, ooh and ah, right? Wow, he's so cool. He's the drum major. That's because this was football season. In football season, you wore the uniform. You stood up on a podium. You did flips on the field. You waved your arms. You commanded the drums. You called for the timpani. And then basketball season came, all right? And in basketball, as a drum major, I wasn't this like put together uniform. You were basically like a glorified cheerleader. And so I found a different picture, different picture of the drum major during basketball season, okay? (laughs) So I just want to tell you a little story. And so the first time that I went to a high school basketball game as a drum major, the first time I went to a high school, I was like, basketball! And I literally, I painted my face. I'm wearing two polos there because apparently that was cool back then. I got some, I got some glitter around my eye. It was wild, right? But it was high school basketball. And so we're in there, right? And I'm directing the band and they're playing, but I'm just like, I want to be in the action. You know what I mean? Like I want to do something that's going to affect the game. And so we were playing Pocono Mountain West and everybody goes, ugh, ugh, right? Because I grew up in Pleasant Valley, right? We were the Happy Valley. That's what it is. Pleasant Valley. Everybody was pleasant. See the smiles? Maybe not. Maybe not, right? So you're in Pleasant Valley, and Pocono Mountain West was our rivals, and they were clearly better than us, you know? And so they come in with their swag, and they're doing their drills, like they're all good and whatnot. And I'm just sick of it. Sick of it, right? They need to be put in their place. And so they're playing the game. Our crowd is subdued because they just know. They know that they're better than us. So there comes a point in the game, right? And one of our guys, you know, he, he's playing defense. They come, they charge him. He falls back. The ref goes, right? That wasn't, that wasn't Cardi B. That was the referee whistle, right? And they go, and, the, and it's a turnover. And I don't know what came over me. I literally don't know what came over, but I was just so excited for a turnover that I stood up in front of the whole, in front of the whole band, in front of the whole gym, and I go, which way? That way, right? And everybody's like, like, I literally, I just, I saw it on TV once or something. I don't know where it came from, but I literally stood up and I screamed, which way? That way. And like the whole other away team is like, like it was super uncomfortable, right? Because this gym is quiet, but I started something, right? So like the next time that there's a turnover, right? A little double dribble, the rev, I go, which way? And the band this time behind me, they go, that way. And I was like, oh, Oh, I got power now. It's growing, right? The next time it's a turnover, I go, which way? The entire stadium goes, 
okay. It was awesome, right? And so I started a chant to this day at our high school basketball games. Every time there's a turnover, the drum major goes, which way? That way. Dang. Which way? That way. We're ready, right? Get the pom-poms. Here we go. And so I, I thought of that story. I thought of that story this week because I was writing my message, right? Because I realized, like I went to Union High School today. Where's my Union peeps? I was hanging out at Union today. I was talking to some students last week. Over the break, I had a few students in my house who were doing a little Uno attack action. Don't know if you know about that, but it's kind of tight. And, um, but here's what I realized. I realized that the high school pep band is not the only group out there that is saying, which way? not the only ones. I realize that in this very room, there are middle school students. In this very room, there are high school students. In this very room, there are college students who with everything in their life are wondering, oh, that's me playing basketball, sorry, are wondering which way. There are literally a million different ways that you can go with your life, right? There are so many different ways that are screaming at you. Hey, sister, listen to me. This way is the most important. Spend your life on this road. Come this way. Follow this person. Be a part of this interest group. Dress this way. Look like this. Consume this. Do this. This will make you happy. Which way? And then you're at school and you're kicking it with your friends, right? And you're like, they were my friends. And even the way that they're promoting is confusing to me. Which way? Then you jump on social media, right? <laughs> it's like social media is like secretly, or I guess not so secretly, but like we all pretend to enjoy social media, but deep down inside, we all kind of hate what it's doing to us, right? Social media is one of those things where like you see something on it and you go, I was, I'm pretty sure that's wrong, but they're normalizing it, right? Well if, well, if it's on Twitter and everybody's laughing about it, then it must be okay. Which way? So many different ways we can go with our life. So many different things we can do. Maybe you're here and you're a Christian and you go, well, I already know Jesus is the way, but I'm still trying to figure out, like, what do I do with my life? You got college decisions coming up, seniors. What am I supposed to do with my life? Where do I go? Which way? In a world with a million different ways, which way? Which way, guys? Which way are you living your life? Which way are you following with everything that's inside of you? And so tonight, I'm gonna show you an answer. And in order to find that answer, we're gonna take a road trip, right? So everybody click it or ticket, buckle up. Here we go. Grab it. Let me hear the clicks. Chick, chick. Somebody got a shotgun back. They're like, chick, chick. wrong, click. wrong click, bruh. All right, click the seatbelt, and we're gonna go on a journey to a place in Greece. Anybody ever want to go to Greece? Right, that's a good place. So we're gonna go to Greece. There's a place here called Thessalonica. Now Thessalonica, they're not in middle school, they're not in high school, but I promise you, after you hear their situation, you're gonna go, wow, that is super familiar. You're going to go, wow, I know exactly what they're going through. And so in Thessalonica, Paul, this guy from the Bible, Paul shows up there, and he is there for three weeks, and he's telling people about Jesus. You know how Alexis said her, her friends invited her to a Bible study to tell her about Jesus? That's what Paul's doing. He's inviting people over. He's talking about the gospel. He's spreading the news of Jesus. He's telling people, you can now be in God's family. You can now be in God's family. And he's telling people that for three weeks, teach him. And then guess what happens after the third week? The dude is mobbed. You're like, oh, they all went to the mall? No, like literally mobbed, right? Like pitchforks and, and torches. He gets thrown out of the city. And so he flees for his life. He's on the move. He's out of there. But guess what? You would think that after people see him run out of the faith or run out of the place, you would think that after seeing him beaten for his faith, you would think everybody's like, nah, I don't want any part of that Jesus stuff, right? But guess what we find there in Thessalonica? Christians. Even after Paul was beat, even after they were kicked out of the city, even after they were threatened, when he leaves, we find that there was a community of people who trusted in Jesus even though it was dangerous. Why? Because it's real. Why? Because it's worth it. And so good news. 
There's a church there. Yay. You know what the bad news is? There's a church there. All these new converts. And where are Paul and Timothy? Kicked out. And so here's Paul and Timothy on the outside and here are the baby Christians on the inside and they're like, oh man, I, I, I'm so concerned for them. Are they going to grow? You see, they need to be discipled because how many of you know that when God saves you, it is time to walk. When God brings you into the family, it's time to walk. But the question is, which way? And so picture it. You have these brand new Christians who still don't know a lot. They still struggle with all of their pre-Jesus habits, their pre-Jesus sins. They have questions. They're confused. They're still surrounded by people who are pagans worshiping other gods. And when they try to tell those people who used to be their friends that they now live for Jesus, they're being mocked. They're literally being made fun of because they're all about that Jesus life. And now they're the Christian girls and the Christian guys. And so they're struggling. Sound familiar yet? Anybody can kick it in Thessalonica with this church? And so here's what happens. Paul and Timothy, or Paul and Timothy, they're not there. And so they end up writing a letter. They end up writing a letter from the heart of spiritual parents full of love for these people. And what they say in their letter is they go, I'm so glad that you're standing in Christ. I'm so glad you're a Christian, but now I want you to walk. I'm so glad that you're a believer, but now I want you to grow. I want you to know which way you should walk. And so I need you to understand that this is actually a letter written from a heart of love. And you need to get that. Everybody say context. You need to understand that that's the context because there's going to be things in this letter that are hashtag real talk, all right? There's gonna be things in this letter that are hard. And if you don't understand that it's coming from a heart of love, you're gonna go, Paul's mean. Or you're gonna look at it and you're gonna go, Paul's awkward. We don't talk about that here. Why is he bringing up sexuality? Whoa, this just got really, this is coming from a place of love. And so the things that follow, yes, they may be hard. Yes, they may be super real, but it's because he loves them. And citizens, please look at me. Everybody in this room, look at me. That's exactly what citizens is about. This is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. And there are leaders here who love you. And we're going to tell you hard things at times. Yo, 2020 is going to be a blast. 2020, we're going to have fun. We're going to camp. We got some fun events planned this year. It is going to be a blast. But there's going to be weeks here where we talk about real issues. There's going to be moments in your small group where you're talking with your small group leaders and things are going to get tough. There's going to come moments where you are face to face with your sin. Remember this moment. This is from love, okay? Everybody say love. love. I love you too, thank you. Trust us, okay? Trust me. This is all coming from a place of love. <clears throat> all right, and so we're gonna jump into a part of the letter here, the part where Paul and Timothy are answering the question, which way? Are you guys ready? Which way? Atta boy. All right, here we go. Starting in verse one, starting in verse one. <clears throat> Finally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to, how you ought to, and please God, just as you were doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. What does he call them? What does he call them? Brothers and sisters. He calls them brothers and sisters. What does that mean? It means they're literally blood brothers. And si no, in the New Testament, this is language for the family of God. He calls them brothers and sisters because they are Christians. They are standing in the faith. Do you know why they're Christians? Because they're super awesome. Do you know why they're Christians? Because they have the right parents. No, no, you know why they're Christians for real? Because they're like super well-behaved and God liked them. 
No, they're brothers and sisters. They are Christians because they have simply trusted in the grace of God and put their faith in Jesus. They are Christians. They became Christians in the same way that you can become a Christian. You hear God's message of hope and you call out to him, God, save me. And you know what happens when you call out to God? He gives you grace. He forgives you of your sins. He washes you clean and he brings you into the family. And now you are a brother or sister in our family. Do you wanna become a Christian? Cry out to God. And I know there's some of you here who are not Christians. There are some of you here who are still learning. Join the family. Put your faith in Jesus. And that's what they did, okay? They became Christians. But Paul wants them to do more than just stand in the faith. Paul wants them to do more than just stand in Christ. He now wants them to? He wants them to walk. He wants them to live life in the way that those who know God ought to live, by pleasing God. By pleasing God. Because when God saves you, students, it's time to walk. When God saves you, there are Christians in here. It's time to walk. It's time to walk. Middle schoolers, maybe this is new. It's time to walk. High schoolers, it's time to walk. Leaders, it's time to walk, okay? And that's why we have the road here, okay? Because a road implies that we are going somewhere. How many of you call your buddies up and you're like, bro, you wanna kick it? And he's like, yeah, I do. Where do you wanna meet up? Meet me on 164th. Nice, where are we going? 164th. Like, where? Like on the road. You don't stand on a road, right? Like if you and your buddies are getting together to literally chill in the road and loiter, run. There is a screw missing from your friend's head. I promise you that, all right? You're like declining that invitation right now, all right? The road is not a place where you stand. The road is a place that you walk. And that's why we have the road out here today because Christianity is not a thing you stand in. It's a thing you walk in. The Christian life is just like a road. It implies that you're going somewhere because living for Jesus is a life of steady growth. It's a life of movement, progressively maturing. That's why he says here, look what he says. He says, just as you were doing, do so more and more. And so I just imagine all the Christians in the room right now, all the middle school students like, like this? Am I living for Jesus? I'm like, yes, keep going. <laughs> Am I doing it? Say yes, keep going. Keep growing. Keep moving more and more and more and more because you will learn as you progress. That's the road, okay? Because when Christ saves you, it is time to walk. It's time to walk. So how? How do I know how to walk? How do I know which way? Here's the cool thing. It's not guesswork. Like, listen to me, listen to me, students. I get it. It is super cool and honorable in our culture to figure it out on your own, right? You guys have heard that, right? Dude, you gotta make your own way. You gotta find your own path. And I get it, that sounds noble, it sounds honorable, but you know what the Proverbs call that person? It's a four-letter word that starts with F, fool. You're a fool. If you're trying to figure it out on your own, that is foolish, and that is a sure way to end in destruction. That's why we embrace godly authority. Going back to who we are, it doesn't have to be guesswork, we embrace godly authority. There are leaders in our life that we can learn from. And that's what's happening with Paul. Paul says, you know the way because I gave you the instructions. You received it from me how you ought to walk. So do you guys want to learn how to walk? Do you want, like for real, do you, want, do you have a desire tonight to learn how to live for Jesus? That's what Citizens is. We're a community of students learning. Do you want to learn? Would you like to receive some instruction on how to live this life for Christ? Would you like to receive some instruction for how to stand as a Christian in your school, even surrounded by people who don't think it's cool? Like, do you guys want to know that? Me too. Oh, did you think I had the answer? I don't, I, but I can help you get it. We all need the answer. And so we're going to dive into the next few verses here for the next few moments, and we're going to give you four pieces of instruction. Are you ready? 
We're going to build out the road here. There are going to be four signs, four pieces of instruction that we are going to learn today. Are you ready? You want this? All right, here we go. Four pieces of instruction. We're going to see it right here. Verse three. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that, each, that you abstain from sexual immorality. The first piece of instruction we see is that God's will is the road marked holiness. And so we're meeting a road today. We are seeing a certain way, and the name of this street is holiness. How many of you have heard the word holy before? Right? How many of you have ever heard it used in a derogatory way, right? Oh, he's holy, right? Oh, she's one of those holy ones. Holiness, that could be a word that is used all the time, but we're not really sure what it means. And so my favorite metaphor to explain holiness is this. I'm gonna explain it to you with this. The road marked holiness. You guys know what that is on the table there? What, what, what's happening there in this picture? <clears throat> a dinner, yeah, what kind of dinner? Maybe fancy, ooh, so fancy, some fancy dinner. Is this what your table looks like on Tuesday morning when you wake up for breakfast? No, what? Is this not, you don't even eat breakfast. <laughs> You're like, that's what's wrong with me. Is this, like, is this like Thursday lunch in the cafeteria? What's happening here? This is special, all right? This is special, right? Because we know that there are cups, there are bowls, there are forks, there are plates that you use on the daily. And then there's like that china though. Ooh, right? You got your regular forks, but then there's that like that fine china. You know what I'm saying? Are you guys too young for Fresh Prince? Oh my gosh, you are. Raise your hand if you know what Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is. All right. And you guys probably watch it like on Nick at Night or on TV Land, right? That's so sad. You're like, my grandpa talks about Fresh Prince. I guess I'm your grandpa. So I love Fresh Prince. And there's a scene, right, in the opening credits where homie is drinking orange juice out of a champagne glass right, on an airplane. And I was like, I want to be him. So I should do what Will Smith does. And so I woke up one morning and I went into my mom's china cabinet, pulled out one of those fancy champagne glasses, put some orange juice in it, and thought I was cool with my bad self sitting at the breakfast table sipping orange juice. My mom came down. She's like, boy, you done lost your mind because I'll help you find it. She's like, you gotta put that, because we know that you don't use special things for common purposes. There are certain pieces in your kitchen that have been pulled out and set apart for a special use. There are certain instruments and utensils in your kitchen that have been set aside and designated as not common, but special. That's what holiness is. In the same way, you have, when God saves you, he grabs you and he pulls you out from among your friend group. He pulls you out from among the culture. And he says, this is no longer to be used for common purposes. This person, Kome, is now designated for special uses. Tia, I'm pulling you out of the world. I'm pulling you out of culture and I'm setting you apart for something that is honorable, not common. That's what holiness is. Holiness is simply the description of every single Christian in the room. It's like fine china. It means that you have been set apart for God's pure and honorable purposes. Raise your hand if you're holy. Every Christian in the room, raise your hand. Ah, there we go. Because you're set apart. But what we're talking about sometimes is sanctification, where we are growing and living out your set apart purpose more and more and more. Okay, that's what holiness is. God's will for your life is the road that is marked holiness. But now notice what I'm saying. Please, 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 please. I'm not telling you guys like nice little boys and nice little girls to behave and be good and be better, right? I'm not telling you just live for God and then he will accept you. That's wrong. I grew up in that kind of environment. I thought that if I was good, that if I was righteous, that if I had good deeds, then God can accept me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm actually saying the opposite. Holiness is the fact that you have already been accepted by God and therefore your response is to live holy. You've already been accepted and loved by God and now out of that we respond by living life for him. Now, here's where things are going to get hard, okay? This is a road. 
marked holiness. This is a road where we are walking, we are living life for God. Do you know when it gets hard to do that? Do you know when it's especially hard to live for God? Do you know what the number one battle for sanctification is in your culture? Here's why we're in Thessalonica. Because of the same primary struggle that they had on the road to holiness is actually the same one that every middle school and high school has today. It's sexual purity. The primary battle that you're going to face as a teenager in 2020, if you are trying to live for God, warning, the battle will be your sexuality. That's why he says here, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Sexual immorality, let me give you a super simple definition, okay? Because people are like, wait, but is this, sexu- is this sexuality? Sam, am I allowed to do this? Listen, listen, listen. This is not a health class. I'm going to give it to you really simple. Sexual immorality is this. Anything outside of God's created design for sexuality, okay? God designed sexuality. God created it. And just like everything else created, it was good, but that's the design. And you see, in Greece, what they did was they didn't want to follow the design of the creator. They were living lives where they made their own design. They made their own way. And it was pervasive, right? To be Greek meant that you did these things. And so Paul is writing to these new Christians. He goes, listen, you have turned from God or turned from Greece, the Grecian gods. You now serve the one true God. That's not, you're not about that life anymore. When it comes to your sexuality, he says, remember, just like I'm saying to you guys, when it comes to your sexuality, remember that you have been set apart for a new purpose. You have been set apart for something that is honorable. You've been set apart to be God's, not the world's. And so we, as Christians, we follow God's design for sexuality, not the culture's design for sexuality, period. We follow God's design for our bodies, not culture's design for our bodies. We abstain from sexual immorality. We pursue purity. Remember the China cabinet. Because there's a lot of of people out there to go, what? Come on, let's put some orange juice in that champagne glass. And you go, no, 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 no. This ain't for common stuff, right? My life is for something special because it is being used to glorify my creator. So number one, God's will is the road marked holiness. Look at the second sign here, okay? That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Here's what you need to understand. Following God is marked by self-control, not lustful passions. All right, how many of you guys have your license? Raise your hand high, okay. Those of you who have licenses, what is this sign when you see it on the road? Speed limit, yes. Like, that's what the numbers were. I thought every street was Highway 55. What's the speed limit? What does the speed limit do? It tells you how to drive, right? What does the speed limit do? It tells you how to conduct yourself on the road. And so, just like in real life, there's two types of drivers, those who follow the speed limit and those who don't, right? Which one are you? He's like, that just convicted me. I'm sorry. He got a ticket last week. No, he didn't. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Jaden's a great person. Okay, there's two types of ways that you can be living life. Ready? There are two types of ways that we see here in the scripture. The first way that we see here are those who follow this speed limit. And the speed limit says... LP, which is not standing for lower powering. That's OP, that's overpowering. LP stands for lustful passions, okay? There are people who live life and they go, dude, here's the way I live. I just follow my passions. Now listen, when the Bible uses, <laughs> when the Bible uses the word passion, they're not talking about baseball. Like, I'm passionate about baseball. My name is Michael Foskett, right? No, he's not talking about that. I love softball. No, he's not talking about your hobbies. 
Passion in the Bible is talking about lustful passion. It's talking about the desire to do whatever you feel like. Act on whatever you feel like. Because you know what? If you deny your feelings, if you deny your urges, you're fake. If you don't do whatever you feel like doing, you're not being true to who you are and you gotta do you, boo-boo. That's what culture says, right? Culture says, if it makes you happy, if you feel it and you feel a little bit of a, of a little flutter, you know, the, you guys, that's what your heart feels like when it flutters, right? Is that just me? Should I get that checked out? Right? I'm like, I don't have butterflies in my stomach, they're in my heart. Whatever makes your heart just go, ooh, it must be right, because whatever makes you happy is God. You know who lives like that? Those who do not know God. Those who don't know God, they don't follow his design, so they make their own. Students, you go to school, you jump online, you look at social media, you watch movies, they're all telling you to live life like this. Just follow your passions. But they want to sanitize it, so they say, follow your Listen to your heart when it's calling to you. Anyway. But here's what they won't tell you on the songs, right? Here's the part that they leave out of the music videos is that when you follow that road and you're like, it feels so good, but you're just looking at the moment, you're not looking ahead. What they don't tell you is that living for lustful passions will always end in pain and destruction and brokenness. They say, just live in the moment, but you're not thinking about the future. And so there's another way to live here, right? And we who do know God, we don't follow this limit. We don't follow our lustful passions. We follow this one, self-control. Also the direction of the initials of Sam Cassis, but that's just a really happy coincidence, all right? Paul says, you do know God, so instead of following your passions, know how to control, control. Christians, live out your set-apart purpose by walking on the road that God designed, which is holiness and honor. You should approach life this way because you are no longer ignorant of God. You know who he is, so follow his design. Follow his design. Let's look at the third sign here, the third piece of instruction. Verse six. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. Do you know what the biggest lie in our culture is regarding your sexuality? It's not hurting anyone, so what does it matter? How many of you have heard that before, right? What I do with my body doesn't hurt anyone. This is about me and only me, so step off. And Paul, in the word of God, he's challenging that lie. And he says, no, sister, no, bro. You have to realize that that sexual purity involves our vertical and our horizontal relationships. It not only affects our relationship with God, it actually is affecting our relationship with each other. You see, living on the road of sexual purity, it's not just about pleasing our heavenly father. It's actually about maintaining the relationships and doing right by those of us and each other in the family of God. And so yes, God is concerned in this matter. He's concerned about you not doing the wrong thing, but he's also concerned about you not wronging others. That's why Paul says, he says, no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. When you are living in sexual immorality, you are actually wronging your brothers and sisters. Sam, that's not true. I'm not affecting anybody. It's just me by myself. It's just me. Nobody knows where I'm at. Nobody knows what I'm doing. It's just me and her. Nobody knows. Hey, it's just me and him. Nobody knows. You want to prove to you that living for lustful passions will not only wreck you, but it also wrecks others? Let me give you some examples here. Continue in sexual immorality long enough, and before you know it, you are objectifying other people. Do you know what objectification means? It means that when I look at you, I no longer see a person. I see an object that I can be using for my pleasure. You're a thing, and I will take what I want. That's objectification. 
look in our culture, right? And maybe this is not you in this room, but like if you, if, you, if you follow it to the end, if you follow it to its logical conclusion, where do you think that the exploitation of the weak and vulnerable come from? For profit. Where do you think that comes from? It's coming from a culture that says, well, why don't you just do whatever you want regardless of the cost? No wonder we have people kidnapping children. No wonder we have women being sold into slavery. Like, what? that's it. Follow it long enough and you will see the exploitation of the weak and the vulnerable for profit. Well, Sam, if, if I'm not pressuring them, if it's a consent, what, what's wrong with that? If they're pressured or not, you're still putting your personal pleasure above their well-being. Because what's best for them is to live on the road to holiness. And so even when you consent with them to off-road, you're putting your personal pleasure above what's good for them. How many of you have seen marriages broken because one spouse is pursuing temporary thrills over long-term faithfulness? People in their 40s don't wake up one day and go, I think I'm gonna break my vows. People in their 60s don't roll out of bed one day and go, I should ruin everything. It's because little by little, they've been living a life that was governed by this limit rather than this limit. Christian, I love you. Trust us. Remember, this is a love letter. I love you and I want to see you thrive and grow in Jesus. Do not follow your lustful passions. Live self-controlled because it involves your vertical and horizontal relationships. And maybe you're here and you're like, well, you know what? I'm just a cold hearted, you know what? I don't even care about other people. Who cares if I wrong them? Hopefully nobody's here like that, but the Lord still gives us a strong warning. Look what he says, to help motivate us to treat each other right. Like maybe you need, maybe you're just so stuck in your sin that you just need, even, even the fact that you're wronging other people, maybe that's not even enough to wake you up. Maybe you're here and what you're doing long-term to your girlfriend's future and what you're doing to your boyfriend's future, maybe that is not even on your radar. God gives you another warning. Look what he says. The Lord is an avenger in all these things. You're like, like the Marvel characters. Yes, <laughs> right? They avenge wrongdoing. God says, if you continue to transgress your brothers and sisters, if you continue to hurt each other with sexual immorality, God will avenge that. If you're still not pooping your pants, I don't think the lights are on, bro. God takes this so seriously that he says, if you keep messing with your brothers and sisters in my family, you will answer to me. The Lord sees it all. Don't sin against others sexually. Don't sin against yourself sexually. That's what lustful passions produce. But you know what kind of community will be if we live life according to self-control? Lustful passions destroy community, but living in sexual purity creates a community of giving, not taking, of honoring others, not using others. It produces a community defined by selfless care for each other. It's a community where we are pushing each other toward holiness, not dragging them away from it. It's where we are pursuing God's purposes, not fleeting pleasures. Whew. This is heavy, huh? Doesn't it kind of suck though? Like on the real, I really wish that like, I don't know, I, I wasn't there, but I kind of wish it was the 50s where it was just like, everybody knows this stuff. Dude, you guys are being murdered out there, man. Like I feel bad for you guys, man. Like, I, was, I graduated high school 10 years ago and it's already so different. I go to union and I'm just sitting there and I, and I talk to you guys and you guys are like in it. Like this is a battle. And you're like, but I'm homeschooled so I'm safe. No, you're not. If you have a phone, you, are, it's like, you don't even have to go looking for sexual immorality. It's looking for you. 
You get a phone, right? This blows my mind. I got a new phone, I remember. I got a new phone, right? Nobody knows my number. I don't even know my number, right? I'm like, it's 5702651. What? I don't know. I, nobody knows my number yet. And yet I'm getting these random text messages from people like, hey, saw you online. Check me out. Link here. You guys get those spam messages, right? I don't even know my own number. How does the robot from Sexual Immorality Palace know my number? <laughs> guys, it's looking for you. The devil wants to destroy you. And he wants to get you off of the road that you were designed to live. And he wants to take you this way, where it ends in destruction. And it hurts my heart, man, because you guys, it almost seems like you don't stand a chance. I talk to you guys in my office. I talk to you guys via text message. You come over to my house, and I've seen the tears. And you're like, Sam, it's just so hard. Sam, it's impossible. I talk to girls, and they say, well, Sam, like, we just know boys will always have porn. That's just the way it is. What? Or I was talking to a couple of students, right? They're not even Christians, but I, I go, you see me at Union, and I just, I'm goofing with people, and they're all, oh, so you're a Jesus guy, right? Well, what about this? Why do you have to? And, like, the, the prevailing theme, right, is, like, dude, it's literally impossible to wait for marriage. Right? I'm, how many of you guys have heard that, right? Like, there's no way you can save yourself for marriage. Right? That's just stupid. That's, like, something from, like, a Disney movie. And what I'm finding is that even in this room, you guys are waffling, dude. You're, even in your heart, you're wondering, is it really possible? You're laying down on your pillow at night. The conversation from earlier that day is playing in your head. And you go, man, if I really want a relationship, I'm probably going to have to compromise on that, aren't I? I have good news for you. All right. I'm not here to give you a pep rally, right? Like, trust me, you saw my pep rally. Not my best moment. I'm not trying to give you a pep rally. Of like, you can do it, abstinence. You can do it, clap and dance, right? I just made that up, but that was kind of hot. I'm not here to give you a cheerlead. I'm not here to just like pump you up and be like, come on, if you guys just squeeze and clench and uh, you can hold on. Yo, that's the only thing that's going to happen when you squeeze, squeeze and clench like that is something else, all right? That's not the kind of hope I'm here to offer you. That's not the kind of hope I want to give you. That's not the kind of instruction I want to leave you with. If you are in here and you are saying, Sam, I know that the road is marked holiness. I know that the call is to not pursue lustful passions with self-control. I know that I shouldn't be wronging others, but I don't have a, a hope. The last sign is for you. The last verse is for you. And look where we end here, okay? Verse seven and eight. God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. God calls us to and empowers us for holiness. Um, Tracy, would you stand up and flip that last sign, please? Where my driver license, where my license people again? All right, what's that sign? Yes. yes. How many of you ever, be honest now, how many of you ever said, oh, I'm on E, I'll put $5 in? Yeah. For, uh, Tracy, I said kids. Bad example, <laughs> right? That's a gas sign. That is a gas sign. And we're gonna explain why it's a gas sign. So here we go, right? He says that we are called, everybody say called. You're called to holiness. So first things first, those of you who are in here and you say, dude, it's impossible. That's not for me. Maybe I'm just not about that life. Maybe I'm not the super Christian. You need to realize you're called. If you're a Christian, you're called to be holy. All right. If you're a Christian, it's for you. This is not optional. But what do we do in youth group world, right? In youth group world, we rank Christians, right? <laughs> you like the power rankings of youth group. So we create a ladder, right? And we go, well, you know, at the bottom of the ladder, there's like the saved Christians, right? Like, woof, out of hell, they're good or saved. But then, you know, beyond that, there's like the passable Christians, right? I mean, they could pass for a Christian. And then there's like the exemplary Christians, you know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, they're like student leaders or something. And then, if you're in it long enough and you squeeze and clench hard enough for long enough, then you become holy Christian, 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 Christian. That's not true, guys. They're not categories of Christians. You don't climb a ladder to become holy. If you are a Christian, live holy. It's what you are called for.
But here's the cool thing. God doesn't simply call you to it and then leave it to you on your own, right? Hey, I call you to get on the road. Figure it out. That's not God. He calls you to it, Clay, and then he empowers you for it. He gives you his Holy Spirit. And so if you're gonna drive on the road, you need gas. You need gas because it is the fuel that you will use to go on the journey. Moving a vehicle that weighs like literally more than 10 pounds along a road. I don't know how much a car weighs, all right? But you're moving a heavy car hundreds of miles across the country at really high speeds. You need the fuel to do that. That is literally impossible. I want you to go back in time and tell the Oregon, what are they called? The Oregon Trail people, right? Not the ones that ate each other. The other ones, what are they called? Pioneers, right? Tell the Oregon pioneers that in a couple of hundred years, there would be vehicles that would do the trip that they're doing in like hours. That's literally impossible, isn't it? Not if you have some gas. It's fuel. It feels impossible, guys. I know it. Sexual purity feels like it's like, that's no way, Sam. There's fuel that you have for that journey. There is a power that you have been given. There is a juice with which you can live on the road marked holiness. And the juice is not gasoline. The juice is the Holy Spirit. You literally have God's spirit and presence inside of you. And the times that you go, man, my flesh is just dead to sin. There's no way it can live. He goes, wake up. I'm the same power that rose Jesus' dead body to life. And if I can raise a dead body to life, I can raise your mortal sinful flesh to life. There's no way I can say no to that text message. There's no way I can decline that invitation. There's no way I can stand up in that circle. There's no way I can say those words. There's no way I can walk away. There's no way I can click out. There's no way. He gave his Holy Spirit to you. And all you need to do is remember that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in you. You can do it, guys. You can do it, not because you're awesome, not because you're super self-disciplined, but because the God who created the universe is with you. He's with you and he has called you to holiness. That's why when we talk about who we are, we call it not just holiness, it is spirit-empowered holiness. Because if you try to be holy without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're just becoming a little legalist. You're becoming, what do they call it? Do they still call it Bible thumpers or something, right? Right? Oh, he's one of those Bible thumpers because he just walks around and he's like, behave, 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 behave. That's not holiness. That's annoying, right? When you walk around, you're like, just be better. It's like, are you like a Jesus cheerleader? What does that mean? No, like we're not good in our, in our own nature. We don't have the power to live on this road, but God has given us the power. And now here's where I wanna end. We're done. I wanna end with a final note because you're all here and you're all in a different spot. And so some of you are like, yes, this is truth. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And there are some of you here that you're like, I don't want to have anything. All eyes up here, please. I don't want to have anything to do with what you are saying, Sam. I have a final note for you. If you are going to disregard what I'm saying today, just know this. You're not disregarding me. You're not disregarding your parents. You're not disregarding what you think is just ultra conservatism. You know, you're not disregarding just your parents' morals. It says it here that whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God. Yo, I love you, man. I want this for you. But one day, you are going to stand before the Lord on your own. One day, you're gonna answer to God by yourself. And God is saying to you, at the end of the day, if you are disregarding this, you are rejecting the purpose, the will, and the gift of God. Because when Christ saves you, it's time to walk. Citizens, if God has saved you, it's time to walk in 2020. It's time to walk. And so Anna, why don't you come on up here? I'm gonna give us three different ways that we can respond to this message, okay? We have another 15 minutes here, we're gonna sing. We're gonna respond, but here's three different ways that you may respond to this message, okay? Number one, maybe you're here and you say, man, Sam, like, 
I need to become a Christian, right? Listen, because that's the key, right? Like you cannot walk here, bro. You cannot walk on the road of following God if you have not been saved. This is not like a three steps get right program at church. This is not just be a better person. This is become a Christian. And so maybe you're here and just like Alexis shared, just like we saw with the Thessalonians, you're hearing the good news about God. And he says, if you call out to me, I will forgive you. I will save you and bring you into my family. Maybe that's your response this year. You go, man, I've been running from God. I just, I need to go all in. I need to become a Christian. Maybe you're here and the second one is that you lack hunger. You're like, Sam, I gotta be honest, man. Like, I don't care about godliness. I just, like, in my life, I like sin more than I like Jesus. And I'm not super hungry to follow him. Be honest. And so your response is to admit that. God, I lack hunger. Give me hunger. That's an okay prayer. You know that? You know how many times I pray? I go, Lord, I love you. I don't love you enough. Maybe that's your prayer. And you just need to confess your sins because you've been living your way, not the designer's way. And then lastly, there are those of you here who lack hope. And you go, Sam, I want to. I really do. Like, but the things that I want in my heart, I'm not doing. The things that I want in my soul, my flesh is like, it's like I'm, I'm like, I'm two different people. I feel like I'm bipolar because I'm in this room and I'm like, yes, God, I want you. And then I go to school the next day and I'm like, but I want my sin. There's no hope for me. Talk to God today. There's hope. There's hope for you. And so we're gonna take a moment here in your notes at the bottom. I put those three things. I want you to circle. Which one is the, which one are, which way are you going to respond, okay? It's time to walk, citizens. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2020. Let's get it. Walk, grow, and live for Jesus more and more on the road marked holiness. Let's pray and respond. Father, as these students are circling their, their responses, as they're thinking about these words in their heart, would you speak to them, God? I leave my words here, I'm done. Father, speak to your children for the sake of the faith of those that you have chosen, God. Bring them to life. Animate their, their, their pursuits of holiness, Lord. And save them, I pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.